We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today, as he does each and every time, a best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. We are on the precipice of vacation. How you feeling, my guy? I'm feeling that very much. Like <laughs> it's tough to like really get hyped for the pod because I know that we're about to be on summer break for for a week. The quick programming note: stealing Will's yeah. duties right now. But we are taking a, a quick little one week hiatus next week, unless there's going to be some breaking news. So I feel really good because I'm also actually taking a real vacation from work as well. So I'm not only taking a vacation from the pod. I'm going to be going back home to Boston to celebrate my uh, my engagement with Danielle, my fiance's family uh, this weekend, and then my family down Cape Cod uh, Monday through Thursday. I will be in Falmouth. I will be on the beach. Come find your boy. If you are listening and you're down the Cape, come uh, buy me a drink on the beach. Or if you can't really buy a drink on the beach, but bring me a drink on the <laughs> beach in Cape Cod, and uh, I would gladly have a drink. Does... Does saying my fiance have the same effect as the Seinfeld episode where my wife has an inner ear infection? Yeah, I do like the sound of that. Does, does it have that same effect for you? Yeah, I, and I, I've been trying to get my betrothed going, but it's every time I yeah, say Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I heard you say that one time. I thought it was like if you're actually trying to get that going, I would X nay on that. It's, it's <laughs> No, I mean, not not like for real, for real, but just, you know, just trying to bring some some class to my my life will you know what i'm saying is it class i don't know <laughs> hey to each his own to each to his each own, own. To it's each like one own. of those things where like if i said it, it like in in freaking adam's accent then i bet it would sound better that's true but it would sound saying, a lot better that right would... so maybe like if someone someone out there is listening to it i'm like oh yeah my betrothed danielle and then they're like, oh, that just sounds classy just because they don't have the accent that we have. Even though hey, we don't really well, have once again, what do we always say on this point. podcast? Context matters. So the context and situation in which it said would make a difference. But I thought you were going to say from ashy to classy, but okay. <laughs> do we say that a lot on this podcast? This, <laughs> I feel like podcast? you used to say that all the time. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that, maybe that bit. Honestly, we've been doing this for, you know, what, two and a half, three years now or whatever, whatever it's been at this point. I, that probably was something I used to say at one point, but context matters is what I know that we've uh, we've kind of always stuck to. But you you kind of led with this here programming note. Uh, this will probably be the last podcast until I would guess a week from Sunday or so would probably be about the time frame. Um, like Greg said, pending any breaking news that may happen, you may hear Adam hop on here. You may see some combination of two thirds of three man weave, or even Adam with potentially a pinch hitter jumping in here. But that kind of leads us into where we're at today, where we're still waiting on that Jalen Brown extension. Still hasn't come. So, you know, that's all we can do is wait. The Chris Apps Porzingis went official today, two years, 60 million. The Grant Williams trade went official today. Celtics getting a bevy of versatility in the second round. If that doesn't excite you for the upcoming season, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, but that's kind of where we're at. So we're hitting the doldrums, if you will, of the offseason here as Summer League is just about to wrap up. Celtics have a few more games this week with their Summer League team, which I'll be honest is, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching Jordan Walsh. I'll get your thoughts on this here, Greg, but it hasn't been the most exciting Summer League team to to really, you know, hype up that that off-season lull that we're hitting here. 
Yeah, I'm not excited at all. I thought it was cool <laughs> to, to watch him for, you know, games. I'll watch highlights, but I'm just, you know, like, especially coming off of such a disappointment at the end of the season, like summer league Celtics basketball, not high on my priority list right now. Like I'm, I'm watching to see Jordan Walsh, but like, I'm not doing the deep dives on these guys that might be on the, on the like main the fringes. Yeah. Like, I, there's, there's just no way like, that I'm going to do that with my, with my life right now. Um, I mean, just I think why? back to just like a few years ago, we had like Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith. It was like real guys that that mm-hmm. felt like, hey, this could be something. And so, you know, and they made that run to the Summer League Championship two years ago or whatever it was. And like, that was kind of fun. This team, eh, you know, so it is what it is. So with that being said, we reached out to all of you to kind of help us build content. And then we have a new segment that we want to roll out at the back end of the podcast, which I think will be a lot of fun. It's going to be called Welcome to the Party. We'll explain more about that here in just a little bit. But let's start off with a couple of mailbag questions that we got here, Greg. So let's start out with a few that we got on Twitter. So let's start with this first one that we got from our guy at Dalin underscore 36. Speaking of second round picks, what's the ceiling slash basement for these second round picks if they were to be packaged in a trade? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think there is really the second round picks is all about facilitation of a deal, right? Like you look at the Bradley Beal deal to um to to Phoenix, second round picks were really important in that deal to get that done. Um, you know, I think with so many teams worried about the second apron with the luxury tax and the value of being able to sign a second round pick um, to a non-guaranteed deal. Jordan Walsh, as you saw, just got that four-year contract locking these guys up that are going to be developmental projects, but also might be able to fill out your roster, get a little bit of time. One of these guys might pop. You never know. You end up with the Nikola Jokic, you know, you, you never know who you're going to end up with, with the, with the second round pick. So I think, that's kind of how I see second round picks right now is they're really just there as sweeteners in deals and maybe as some teams kind of back themselves into some corners with lack of picks or maybe they have some they, they don't handle their cap situations well and they need more draft capital. Maybe you end up mm-hmm. getting in the future second round picks get you a little bit more than they do right now because right now you, you know you're given I don't know I would say like maybe four second round picks is equivalent to one like mid-teen pick? Well, it depends, right? Because, you know, first-round picks, especially unprotected lottery picks or top 15 to 20 picks, those are still the cream of the crop when it comes to... And I saw this a lot with, you know, when we lost Grant like a week ago. Sounds like he died. But when Grant went to the Mavs, you know, a week ago, it was, uh uh-oh, Brad's piling picks. What's he doing? It's like, he's piling second-round picks. Like, you know, and I think... And you brought the Bradley Beal trade, and I think that, to me, is the biggest mistake a fan can make nothing that's that's what you did but i'm saying to to a fan like hey bradley beal went for five second round picks that's not Mm -hmm. the going rate he had a no trade clause it was a you know an outlier situation and they also got more than just second round picks and they got got more they got swaps and first swaps and chris paul all that stuff but but my point being is that i think some people will look at that and say hey there's a lot that can get done with second round picks and now i would say certainly not typically to that extent of a level of player of brad beal is something getting done but we have seen second round picks right now currently be at kind of an all time high value wise from le- even looking back at the trade deadline. What was there? Three, four different trades that were five, five second round picks to get a guy at least they thought would be a rotation player. Obviously, I think the Bucks right now would be like, damn, I'd like to have those five second round picks back for what we got from Jay Crowder in that deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like so for the Suns, that's a really big or they didn't get it from the Suns because it's a three way deal. I forget where it went to. But, you know, so I do think that there is an increased value of those second round picks. So I think on the high end, like the second round picks by themselves with salary filler, they still do what I just talked about. Like they maybe can get you a midseason back of the rotation type guy that you're like, hey, we need to make this push. We got to get this guy for six million. Let's, you know, we can take a couple of a Peyton Pritchard contract, maybe if he's not Mm -hmm. playing or something, plus something else. We can go get a real guy that could be, you know, Mm -hmm. a a 10-15 minute. Yeah, it might fit a need. Might be a 10-15 minute guy come playoff time. And then otherwise, I think you're kind of looking at, like you said, they're still just going to be fillers, but as you do look to how the Celtics are building out these second round picks, they are increasing their chances with a lot of these picks being from the best of out of X amount of teams. Mm -hmm. One of the 
second round picks that came back as a swap, which I've never heard of until a week and a half ago that you could do a second round pick swap. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these, the Celtics are setting themselves up for the best chance to have what basically could equate to a late first round pick, trying to get one of those, you know, 30 to 35 type slots to try and get some of those guys that can really help fill the roster when you have, if this Jalen Brown extension is announced, his super, his super max, Jason Tatum's coming in two years. Chris Stapps Porzingis has two years. Well, now really basically three years, a little over 90 million is basically what Porzingis is at as of today. And so with that, you're going to need a few of those guys. So you're hoping Jordan Walsh, who just got a four year deal that hey, by, you know, year two, year three, He's playing real minutes and you're getting a guy in your rotation for two million dollars, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I think there's value to him. I think in a trade, they're sweeteners. I think you can get probably a little bit more for them, depending on once again, context matters. If it's the right time, you can maybe get a, a rotation guy midseason. Um, but I wouldn't go crazy would be my ultimate point, thinking that you're going to get something closer to that Bradley Beal level. All right, let's go to our next Twitter question that we got here from at CMerk5. Hopefully I'm saying that right here. Question we got, with all the injury concerns of the front court and the back court being weakened, how do they get better, the Celtics? Roster isn't, all, isn't deep at all, so that's a huge concern. Your thoughts, Greg? Well, our front court improved dramatically this year with the addition of Porzingis, right? Losing Grant, yeah, that was tough, but Grant was the worst of our front court players, right? So we replaced the worst of our front court players with a guy who's coming in and is going to be the best of our front court players entering his prime, coming off the best season of his career since um, his last season in New York. And you can make an argument this is the best season overall of his career. So you know, like the the ceiling of of that front court, I think is still huge. The depth is a concern, but as you saw during the regular season, like a guy like Blake Griffin, I you know who knows if he's going to be back with the Celtics, but he was able to play spot minutes. Uh, Luke Cornett, what in the regular season, he had some games where it's like, oh man, like Green Cornett, let's go. Like he he actually looks okay, fooling uh, diehards into thinking he might be able to steal a spot in the playoff rotation, which like was never going to happen. But during yeah. the regular season, eighty two games, you need those guys that can come in and, and fill fill spots. And I think Luke Cornett can do that, you know, in the regular season. So I think, I think we have, um, we have that opportunity and then, you know, whisperings of other seven foot four big men that are still out there in the market that might end up in Boston <laughs> looking at you, Boban, like maybe Boban and en ends Talk up Talk about Boston. a fan favorite right there. If he comes in. Um, yeah. Like the, you know, there's some whisperings of that, you know? Um, so if, if we brought in a guy like Boban, that would be really cool to, to have, um, on the roster filling out that front court. So there are other guys out there like Grant. Yeah. Grant is going to be tough to, to lose. And I think that he offered a little bit more than he was able to provide under Missoula. I think Missoula just kind of underutilized him. I was, I'm, I've always been a big Grant Williams fan. So losing him stinks smart. Um, you know, he, he's been hurt, uh, in not playing great this past year, so losing him, you know, he's going to be motivated in Memphis. I'm sure he'll have a great first year in Memphis there. But you know, you can fill that with more Derek White. Uh, we're going to talk about Brogdon here in a second. But if Brogdon ends up staying with the team, Brogdon was awesome during the regular season. Mm -hmm. Everybody, don't forget this. He was hurt in the playoffs. He was the sixth man of the fucking year. So like, he still has the the potential to be great for the Celtics next year with increased responsibility. Peyton Pritchard, same thing. He's shown that he can come in. He's he's like a better version of I I would say like Peyton Pritchard could give you like 80, 85% backcourt equivalent of what Grant Williams gave to the front court last year with with okay. regular limits. You know, I wasn't sure where you were going with that, but I like that. <laughs> at, at first I was like, man, is he gonna say 85% of Marcus Smart? I was like, that's where is this he where is he going with this? But no, I I agree to to, to what you're saying there with with Peyton Pritchard. I mean, I think the for the question, you know how do the Celtics get better? The answer is, is, is Chris Stapps Porzingis, right? That, that's how they get better is Porzingis is healthy and Porzingis plays like he did in Washington last year. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to be, be the key. And I think we touched on this pretty well on the, on the last podcast. You know, the ceiling for this team is higher, but the floor is lower, right? There's just less room, I think, for this team to, to have, you know, because, because of some of those depth, but also with that depth last year, I mean, we, we didn't make the finals. You know what I mean? Like, there was still, you know, th there wasn't necessarily a silver bullet to, hey, we're going to go ahead and, and make the finals, right? But, Will, Will, Will real quick, like, it, all these people that are talking about how, like, losing Smart and losing Grant 
hurts our depth, right? Which mm-hmm. is true. But at the same time, if one of those guys gets hurt next year, if Marcus goes down or Grant goes down, we're probably in an equivalently bad spot. Like injuries happen to all yeah. teams and that's that that's going to hurt the team, right? But I think getting Chris Stapps allows you the the luxury of being like, oh, if Jason gets hurt for a little bit or Jalen gets hurt for a little bit, like having another guy that's a bona fide all-star, which we do not have anywhere else mm-hmm. on the roster, is huge for this team. And, you know, maybe Kristaps is a guy that gets hurt. And like we we have to rely on Al a little bit more. We have to rely on Rob. A little we, bit more. I mean, we go back to our to our Derek White, the Jays, Rob and Al. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of right where we're back, where that's where we would have been if we had Marcus and Grant anyways. Right. That's yeah. kind of the lineup. And so, you know, to your point, like it, it's that's the benefit of having something that's a more realistic big three. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the, the, it really is. That's a great way to put it. Porzingis is kind of Jay's insurance. Right. It's Jalen and mm-hmm. Jason insurance so that, you know, obviously, if you get to the conference finals or finals, it's probably not going to matter if you lose those guys. But if you lose them for an injury for a month during the season, it's a lot easier to, to sustain with a guy like Porzingis or the, I mean, even bro, the first round of the playoffs. We all just saw this in fucking game seven against the Heat. Jason Tatum goes down. Right. And what happens to the team? They just crumble. Like Jalen Brown was having a really bad series at that point. Like there was no other guy that we could look to. Derek White was the only one that could that could potentially try and get a bucket in that. Right. And Mark Marcus has been able to step up in some of those moments throughout his career. But it's always like, like, oh, is like, is it going to have to be Marcus tonight? Like, damn, that like. Put the Superman cape on Marcus, but yeah. yeah, anything can happen. But more often than not, Marcus isn't able to get to that level because he's not that player, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if Tatum goes down Game Seven and we have Porzingis, maybe there's a world in which he's like, you know what, like me and Jalen got this because yeah. he's he's that level of player. He's not on the same level as Jason Tatum, but he's close to the level of Jalen Brown at the big man position. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, yeah, so injuries are going to be a concern, but they're a concern for everybody. I mean, the Bucks are going to look back at the last two seasons. Oh, if Middleton didn't get hurt this past mm-hmm. year. If Giannis didn't get hurt in the first round, what happens? Like, that's going to be a concern anyways. And so if you're going to have that concern regardless, I think you'd rather have the higher ceiling, which is what the Celtics have with this team. And, you know, like we just talked about in the last question, maybe with some of those second rounds, maybe there's another move that can be made in season. They have a small TPE. Maybe that's where they take two second round picks. They find a guy that, you know, we haven't seen what that final TPE will be, but, you know, maybe it's around six million, six and a half million, and there's a Sadiq Bay to go get, or there's somebody that, you know, kind of fits into that slot, and you go do that, and you add that for depth. But, you know, right now it's not available. And I think, you know, I, I, my, my biggest thing I would say is I'm not, I'm not super concerned from that standpoint. And I think right now, while it is tough and I do, I am going to miss the versatility. We were all much bigger on Grant than I think Missoula was, which I think is the ultimate reason why he's not here is that you can't pay a guy who your coach doesn't really want to play. And so that's why he's not here. That will be a loss, but uh, I wouldn't go too crazy because I do think the Celtics are in a better championship position right now so with that let's take a break and we'll do one more fan mail question we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Last question that we have here from the mailbag. This is from our guy, Corey Brooks. Shout out to Dorchester guy, Corey Brooks, over on Instagram. What's the lowest trade package you would take for Brogdon? And, you know, Greg, you and I were talking about this. It feels like... You know, Celtics fans have really kind of soured on Malcolm Brogdon pretty quickly. Now, granted, he he has his flaws, and 
I think I've talked about it. I don't know if it was with you or with Adam, but I think part of his flaws were just ba- were, were kind of baked into how the Celtics asked him to play this year. This was he kind of played the way that I think we would have wished Ime had utilized Dennis Schroeder when he was here. They're a different style of players, but I'm saying in the sense that, hey, you're going to play 20 to 25 minutes. Your main objective is to get buckets. Like, you're going to be another guy that creates his own shot. You're going to be another guy that can get downhill and get to the cup. And then Brogdon's obviously a much better shooter than Schroeder, so it just makes the geometry of the floor that much better. But he wasn't asked to be the guy that, you know, we saw in Indiana who averaged seven assists per game, who had the ball in his hand, and it was his job to run pick and roll with DeMontis Sabonis and create for others. That wasn't really his role in this team. And so I think between that and then obviously the injury that we were all kind of waiting for that never happened in the regular season, it finally happened in the playoffs, has left a sour note in, you know, in a, in a lot of Celtics fans, you know, mouths right now. And I, and I think it's kind of, you know, it's, it's clouding the fact that he won sixth man of the year and was pretty damn good for most of the season. So what was Corey's question? So the question was, what's the lowest trade package that you would take back from Malcolm Brogdon? Hmm. I mean, I don't have any names off the top of my head, but definitely someone that's going to be in the rotation, right? So it's probably Brogdon plus two picks or whatever it is, like the second round picks we just talked about for a guy or two guys that are able to fill out the rotation with a little bit more depth. But you can't just get rid of Brogdon because you don't like how much you're paying him or if, if people are floating out there that his like contracts like an albatross or anything like I that. Think it's pretty it's good market really, value to be honest, but it's pretty good market value, right? So, um, I, you definitely need to get somebody that is going to play real minutes on this team. Cause Brogdon, although he's like kind of athletically getting into the Andre Miller territory, you know, where That's he can't guy. really get, yeah, he can't really get by anybody anymore. He's really kind of a similar body type too. Right, right. He's a little bit more, uh, a little bit less bad body, Andre Miller. You know what I mean? Like Andre Miller wasn't very defined. I feel like Brogdon, uh, he's he's got some definition to him. But um, it's just like, I think if Brogdon's on the team this year, just pure talent, let's just say we get a fully 65 games healthy Malcolm Brogdon is better than what you could probably get for him right now just because of the damaged goods label that's out there with that elbow. Um, but you know, if, if it's a concern, if it's a real concern that Malcolm Brogdon isn't going to give you even 50 games this year, if you're really that concerned about his health, um, you, you, you kind of need to just trade for if, if he's a, if he's a dollar, right. You got to trade for two mm-hmm. 50 cents pieces, you know? Yeah. I mean, the tough part for me is just like, yes, his, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, yeah, his health's going to be a gamble. And he's going to have a little bit more responsibility. But that's also why we haven't heard the Peyton Pritchard trade rumors, right? Like, you're still going to have another guy where if you want to rest Brogdon on back-to-backs, which they did, you know, at certain points in the season last year, like, you're still going to be able to do that. And I'm still going to feel confident in most games when we roll out there with Peyton Pritchard and with Derek White as the primary, quote-unquote, point guards. So, you know, I, I think for Brogdon, I just wouldn't be... I get the idea of trading him at potentially his peak value, winning six man of the year, being healthy, you know, all of last season up until the playoffs. But I wouldn't be in a rush to get off a guy that just shot, you know, 44% from the three point line, one six man, you know, is going to be, you know, now you have with Porzingis. I mean, this gets back to another thing you said, Greg, the insurance of, you know, Malcolm Brogdon wasn't available when Jason Tatum goes down. Malcolm Brogdon was that original kind of insurance piece. So now, if the if one of the Jays is to go down, you still have three other guys that have averaged twenty plus in this league, and so mm-hmm. I, I think Brogdon is still going to be an important part of this team. The part that I'm most concerned about is he wasn't rumored to be traded. This man basically, this man just was traded, and mm-hmm. I know like if you and Adam tried to trade me and we're like, oh yeah. Um, the athletic was a little concerned about some of your pronunciations, the way you pop your peas. It just it wasn't going to work. But we still love you. We still think that you have a lot of potential. You're going to be an integral part of our team. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Like I'm going to feel different about that, right? Like I ain't gonna. It's mm-hmm. not going to sit very well with me that 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 I was originally supposed to be the trade. So that's the part that I'm more concerned about. That Brogdon's going to come in and it's it, you know and he's going to say all the right things, right? Malcolm Brogdon. 
Barack Barack O'Brogdon. Like he's he's always going to say the right things. So I don't think it's going to be hard to read into him throwing a tantrum or you know being you know openly or visibly unhappy. But it's going to be behind the scenes. You're really going to have to do some body language reading to see. All right, is this guy actually going to be productive, or is what we tried to do and failed to do publicly going to be too much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's just uh, some names. I'm looking at uh, NBA salaries for 23, 24, just using ESPN uh, right now. But some guys that are in the same range as Brogdon, who's making 22, 22, five mm-hmm. this year. You're looking at the Terry Rosiers of the world, um, Clint Capella, Spencer Dinwiddie, like. No, I don't think the Hawks would trade DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Bogdanovich on the Pistons is someone I've always liked. Uh, you're looking at like Joe Joe Harris. Like, there's not really that many Gary Trent Jr. I mean, there's not really a lot of guys out there that I'm like super stoked to yeah. um, to acquire. So I'd probably rather just run it back with Brogdon. Um, and then if if a deal comes to you where somebody sells low, like if the Jazz, right? Um, the Jazz are like, you know, we're just going to continue to stash assets. Colin Sexton, seventeen million a year. Like, maybe that's a guy. Yeah, that you, you take a run, and, at, and that's you know, the thing, right? Because Marcus Smart replaces because Brogdon's salary is also good to have in a just in case something comes available scenario, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah, that's going to be point. where you might find some guys that are interesting, either like in that Colin Sexton mold, or even if you decide, you know, like. It, I mean, Brad said he has the green light to spend. Didn't feel like that with Grant, but, you know, obviously time will tell. And if a guy comes available, that's, and I'm not looking at, you know, who's available at the 25, 26, 27, 28 million, but someone comes available and you're like, okay, well, we got the Brogdon salary. Now we just got to piece it together mm-hmm. with a few back end pieces yeah. and you're there. And, you know, you have all your draft picks, you accumulate all these second round picks. So then you do have more options to move. So, I wouldn't be, you know, in in a rush to sell low on a Malcolm Brogdon package. I think he's Agreed. too valuable on the court and then as a potential salary matching asset, I think there's a lot of value there as well. So, I think if the Celtics can mend the fences properly, the best path forward is is still going to be for now with Malcolm Brogdon on this team. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. With that, let's uh do you want to take a break now or should we should we jump into our uh to our next segment here, Greg? Producer Let's Greg, jump in, in the next segment. Jump in? Next segment. All right. Yeah. So we got a new um, a new segment that we want to do here, and this is the brainchild of producer Greg over here. So it's going to be called Welcome to the Party. And Greg, I'm going to lay out here for a second. I, w- I want you to kind of give the rundown of, of, of what to expect. I think I did it properly based off your instructions, but you, this, like I said, this is this is your baby here. So, so roll with it. <laughs> okay. Well, basically, um, we're breaking guys into three categories that we as individual consumers and fans of basketball are either late to the party on, we're early to the party on, or we, like everybody else, are already at the party of a guy. So, for example, someone that I think everybody in the NBA after this current season is now at the party would be like Shea Gilgis Alexander. Everybody accepts that this guy is a great player now uh, moving forward. I don't think you're going to have any SGA skeptics, right? So that's at the party. If we're talking about um, early to the party, someone who in the past, I feel like I was very early to the party on was um, Bam Adebayo, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was super, super early to the party on Bam. I loved, even like the first time I saw him in summer league, I literally tweeted out, he's going to be a future defensive player of the year, right? So who are we early to the party on? Um, Some other guys that I feel like are kind of gone beyond that early to the party would be like a Nas Reed. I feel like coming into this year, you could have said, I'm early to the party on Nas Reed. I feel like he's kind of transcended that. Now everyone is just like, oh, Nas Reed's like a really good player. And um, yeah, they, he, like he's actually on, on my at the party list that I have here. Because I had a couple okay. to see where I was going. But yeah, Nas Reed was on that list, as was SGA, actually. For sure. And then late to the party, basically, it's guys you think are overrated. Okay. I like it. Well, let's let's start with late to the party. Let's, uh, let's kick it off, Greg. Let's see what you got. Okay. I mean... This is a guy that I at times liked, but the more I watch him, I'm just like, I really don't think he's as good as the, oh no. So I have a good example for before, before I go into this guy, Robert Covington would be a late to the party guy from years past when everybody was like, everybody's like, oh, Robert Covington, you got to get Robert Covington. He's like the perfect uh, trade piece to get, he, he could swing a championship um, like Zach Lowe. 
one of the greatest basketball minds out there, loves loved Robert Covington. And I was like, dude, he's not that good. Yeah. Right. Robert Covington was never that guy. Um, so similarly, a guy, because I think Rocco is on the Clippers at this point, right? He's on the Clippers. That's correct. Yeah. So another guy on the Clippers that I, at one point when he's on the Raptors, I liked him a little bit. And now I feel like he's become very, very overrated. <laughs> uh, my guy, Norm Powell. I'm so mad. It's so funny that you say that. As I was doing my research today, I actually thought to myself, this is 100% who Greg's going to pick. And I meant to jump in <laughs> and guess it. And I knew you were going to go with Norm Powell. Continue. <laughs> I, I just think everyone talks about him like he could be a legitimate third guy on like a really good team. And that's just what I don't, I do not see Norm Powell in any starting lineup in the NBA. I think he's like the, a really good bench player, but I don't see the, some of the discourse out there with Norm Powell being available because the Clippers might be blowing stuff up or, you know, they, they might want to make one last run, but get a third star. And he's a name that's floated out there. It's like, you can't put Norm Powell on the Philadelphia 76ers with Maxi and Embiid and be like, Oh, we're good now. We have mm -hmm. Norm Powell. Like it, that's just not the case. He's not that guy. Um, I think he is a good player. If, if you're saying, all right, he's going to be our sixth or seventh man on a team. I think he fits that role really well, but I'm late to the party on, on Norm Powell being like a starting backcourt caliber player in the NBA. I mean, I think that's fair when you look at it from, from that perspective. I like, I like Norm Powell, but in my mind, he's, he's kind of the Malcolm Brogdon for a team, right? Like how we just described what Brogdon can come and do off the bench. Like that's kind of how I view Norm Powell. He's that third guy that can potentially get you 20 points in a game, but you're also not relying on him to play, 30 to 35 to 40 minutes in a big game, right? He's kind of maxing out at 25 to 30 on a night where he's cooking. Like that's, that's kind of like where, where I view his lane. I think because of the weirdness of the Clippers, it's never fully made sense as to where he fits. Cause he, he's a guard, but then they have Kawhi. They've got Paul George. They've brought in John wall. They got Russell Westbrook, you know, Terrence Mann, who's a guy that I have on one of my other lists here. I like, you know, I think he's the better option out of the two players. I like Terrence Mann overall more than I like Norm Powell. But if you're looking for, a, if you need 20, you know, Norm Powell is probably the better bet than Terrence Mann. So, you know, because that team's so weird, I think it's never been quite the right fit. But I think there, I think there could be a good role for Norm Powell. But I'm with you, especially when I hear you know, some of these James Harden trades and it's like, maybe Norm Powell, if it's better with Joel Embiid, I'm like, well, it doesn't fit better with Joel Embiid. Like it, you know, I get that. Like if you're trying to get something for, you know, for, uh, for James Harden, like maybe that's a route and that's not like the worst piece along with whatever else would have to come, but it's, we can't add it. That's a one-to-one -one replacement. So I mean, that's where I think you're kind of leaning. Yeah, absolutely. So who do you got for your late to the party? Okay. So I have a couple names here cause I wasn't really sure where just to give go me with one. this just give you one okay so i'm trying to debate if i want to go with the role player or I'll, I'll go i'll go with the one that's probably a little bit more fun i'll go with zach levine uh i've gone kind of back and You've forth been late to the party on zach yeah we've gone back and forth with with zach levine i know i think one of the segments that we did early on in our podcasting careers we were just ranking i think shooting guards in the nba in the, in the eastern conference and i either had tyler i think i had tyler hero above him <laughs> you did which is yeah. insane at the time and to this day is still absolutely yeah, that was, I, was, I was sipping on some tyler hero i still do like tyler i still got tyler hero stock i like tyler hero i think he's being a little bit undervalued he's certainly not you know the return you would want for for dame lillard but i still think he's really good and i think in in certain situations he's going to be a really valuable player but zach levine i'm just i don't know i just it, it's been long enough like one, the injury concerns, two, the contract, and three, just what are you winning with this guy? Like, I just, I like, I, I know the situations he's been in haven't been perfect. They've been somewhat clunky even at times, but for it, it's basically the same result every time with the Bulls. And then even when you look back at his early career, like, you know, yeah, Wiggins and Town, like, just, he's just been with, he's been with a solid amount of talent every stop in his career. And I think he's played in four postseason games the entire time. And it's a little bit similar to, you know, what you were saying about Norm Powell on a slightly different level, but just like, I don't think Zach Levine's a number two, which I think sometimes it's that he's always kind of thrown is in as like the man, if Jalen Brown is so unhappy, should you, should you just go and settle for, for Zach Levine and some picks? Or, you know, if you're the Raptors, do you trade out Pascal Siakam for Zach Levine? Like I think Jalen and Pascal are so far beyond Zach mm. Levine. 
And so that's for me where, where I just feel like Zach Levine is a guy that I like if my favorite team had a guy that I thought was better. And even if they, the contracts, you know, weren't working out or you didn't want to pay a certain amount, if you were going to lower yourself to the Zach Levine level, I'm not, I'm just gonna have a hard time feeling good about that move. Yeah, I'm, I'm higher on Zach Levine than you are. I was going to ask you the question, but I, you just kind of answered it. It's like Zach Levine best possible season this upcoming year. How close of a player is he to Jalen Brown in your eyes? His, I mean, his best possible, I guess. I, if you go best possible, I guess he's like, he, it's, it's career year. Like, when yeah. you look back at Zach Levine's career, it's like, oh, 2023 was his best year in, in his career. Yeah. I mean, I, I think his best, his best year would be he's the third best player on a contending team. I think Jalen's proven that he can be the second best. So that, that's kind of, I guess, the, the tier difference of where I would see both Jalen and Siakam versus Levine. Um, just a couple other names that I had on here just to see, just, just, I want to see just your reaction to like some of the guys that I was bantying about here on my, on yeah, my let's, list. Let's just go. Let's go one for one. Okay. So the other guy that I was really debating was precious Achua. Got him on mine too, baby. Yeah, dude, he's athletic. I, I think I disagree with almost every decision he makes on a basketball court other than when he's mm-hmm. just giving you effort, which I get like every other actual decision that he needs to make. I think it's almost always the wrong one. The precious party, it just not many people are, are sticking around at that party right now. Yeah. Um, or show even showing because I feel like last year everybody was like, Oh, precious to chew. Like, he's answer gonna be for this that last guy. year. That I was like, just I don't see it. Like I think that's why that's why I veered off and went Zach Levine. Cause I was like, I think mm-hmm. this last year might have been my answer, but like it's it's Zach Levine was a better answer for right now. Yeah, no, but I, I agree. I think precious for whatever like the measurables with him and you know, when you look at him and I don't know if people see like, like a justice Winslow coming out of college type with him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really get it. He can't shoot. He doesn't make good decisions. He's a solid defender, gives a lot of rebounding, but to me, he's like maxing out Kenneth Fareed. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like not into it. What that's, are, that's a level. What of other names did you have on it? Uh, another Raptor, Gary Trent jr. Okay. Okay, I could see that. Just never really seen it. Never really seen it with the guy. I don't think he's worth twenty million dollars a year. Um, every time Damn, I watch him play, is that what it's yeah. shit? Okay, I didn't. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I see it for twenty mil. I like Gary Trent, but once again, this is this is like how you always say I love Davis Bertans. I loved Bertans before he got eighteen million dollars a year. Like I loved yeah. him in his role when he was getting you know three to five million. Like that was fantastic. When he's getting eighteen million. Nah, I don't I don't see that, but it's in this is funny. This didn't mean to be a shit on the Raptors period, but I had another Raptor on my list too. Okay. And this is a much lower one, but Chris Boucher, I just feel like some people always think that there's like something else with Boucher. He's yeah. he's older, I get it. He's got, you know, Wemby Bulbul light skills and it just but no, it's it's just a no. He's he's not even that tall. He's like six nine, six ten. I think he, I thought he was a little bit taller than that, but he's just lanky as fuck though. So I think it's just like yeah. the the appearance of it. All right, one more guy each, and then we'll and then we'll take a break. Well, how about how about this? You try and guess one more guy that's on my list. I try and guess one more guy that's on your list. Okay. Uh, let me see. Another guy that would be on your list, late to the party. Just don't get it. Uh, he's on my list too, but I think he's a guy that you might have, John Collins. <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's on my list um i was gonna i was gonna go uh mpj for you no he's not a, that's a good one though that that is a good one um i yeah i probably actually should have had him on here because actually I, I'm, I'm really torn with mpj because I, I i get why people like him and i think in the last year or so he's kind of at least temporarily been resigned to like hey i'm the three slash four guy on this team it's me and Aaron Gordon, and like Aaron Gordon's gonna give the defense. But on the nights I'm cooking, you're like Jokic is gonna find me. I'm playing with the greatest, like you know, passing center of all time, and just you, you can take out center, one of the greatest passers of all time, mm-hmm. in Nikola Jokic. Like if I'm cooking, he's gonna look for me. He's gonna find me. I'm gonna get it going, and and so I've, I've like cooled on that because he's kind of settled into being okay with that role. We'll see if that lasts. He had a pretty stinker of a final, so we'll see. You know where that ends up but um okay i'm, I'm digging this vibe break. i'm digging this game here let's uh let's take a break we'll come back with the last two categories all right back at the party here burgers are on the grill dogs are on the grill we got a couple of beers cracked open we're a little early it hasn't hasn't quite started popping off yet we're early to the party 
Let me give you my guy first on this one. Okay. And I went with a guy who honestly, like I, I need to watch more of, but every time I watch him, I have a good time doing it. Despite the fact that I hate watching his team play. Alperin okay. Shangun on the Houston Rockets. Ah, and I think, and, and I think, that's, I think that's my brother's favorite player in the league right now. Really? All right. Yeah. Shout out to our guy, Chuck. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the momentum's building on him. He's got that. I'm not going to say Jokic because it's just too much, but he's got the Sabonis mold. I'll, I'll leave it at Sabonis. Well, I think he has all-star, maybe, you know, kind of like Sabonis, uh, third team, all NBA, depending on the year, you know, where you can get to. But, you know, this guy's footwork is unreal. It's just something you don't see in the NBA these days. You know, he's, I think last year, let me see, I'm pulling up, I had his stats up here a second ago. You know, he was 15, nine rebounds, four assists per game. And like I said, I hate watching the Rockets. I watch the Rockets very minimally. I did like to watch a lot of Shangun highlights because he's just so much fun to watch. He distributes the basketball. He's not the greatest on defense, not really much of a shooter, but he has room to grow. I mean, he's 20 years old, I think right now, you know, so he's got plenty of room to be able to grow. And if you're a, if certain Celtics fans, I feel like lament, cause this was the Celtics pick that went out in the Al Horford, Kemba Walker trade. So some of them are like, what if we had something? And listen, like a lot of what ifs there, like Al Horford's been pretty damn good for the last couple seasons. Celtics have had, he's making probably more of an impact than Shingun would have immediately, but I get it. Shingun's a lot of fun to watch right now. I think, with that Rockets team, I'm interested to see how he works with Fred Van Vliet because a little like I was saying with Jokic with with uh, with Porter, but more so with Jokic with Murray, right? Like, how does it work having that shooter that you can kind of work off of? Because a lot of his game is in the low post where he's doing a lot of almost like Kevin McHale like type footwork moves, um, or he's kind of working out of the middle of um, the middle of the offense like Sabonis does from the free throw line. Maybe he can run some handoffs like you've seen with Jokic and with Sabonis. So I think Shangun's a guy that has all-star and or potentially some some all-NBA potential. Yeah, Charles was like ready to trade Jalen Brown for Shingun. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. That's a little bit higher. I but I'm a big fan of his game for sure. Yeah, he, he Charles was like, all right, Shingun, the like the, the fourth the, pick, the fourth pick, <laughs> and one more of the young guys, like your, yeah. your favorite of the young guys that they have. Um, and I was like, yeah, like Shingun's good. And that was before the Chris Sapps trade too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Once the Chris Sapps trade happened, then you know that kind of went out the window. Okay. Um, let's see. I have a bunch of guys on here. I talked about this guy on a recent pod, so I'll avoid him. But do you know who I'm talking about when I say I talked about this guy in a recent pod? Who did you now? Give give me the name though, just so Nemhart. Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I can love see that. love Nemhart, but I already talked about him. Why I love him? Uh, I'm gonna go an Atlanta Hawk. I've expressed my adoration for this player before. I expressed um how I was early to the party on a guy that he reminds me a lot of earlier in the pod that is a Kongwu from the Hawks. Okay. I love a Kongwu. I've Both seen some, big men. Yeah. I I've seen some moments from him on the defensive end where I'm like, this guy needs to play a lot more for them. Um, but because John Collins was there because Capella has been like the big man, um, you know, he, he, he's kind of entrenched in that role. It's been tough for him to, to just be given those minutes, you know, you would like as a Hawks fan, you're probably like, well, he needs to earn those minutes. But I think the Hawks were never really doing anything with the John. I, we don't like John Collins, right? So we just it, talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Objectively. It's like, well, just sit John Collins. Like Capella's not that good either. Like let a Congo yeah. be the guy, get rid of Capella, get rid of Collins. And let's see what happens with a Congo at the five. Um, and I really like a Congo. I think he could um, be, an all defensive candidate, not an all defensive player of the year candidate, but an all defensive team candidate. Mm-hmm. And I want to see more from that guy. Cause I think what I've seen at times uh, protecting the rim and also his ability to switch out onto a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown. is pretty impressive. Injuries aside, a Kongu versus Rob Williams. Probably Rob. Okay. What would be the difference maker for you in that? Um, I think Rob's athleticism is just out of this world. Yeah. You know, I think a Kongwu is probably the safer bet to have a better long-term career than, mm-hmm. than Rob. Um, and like this year he very might well be better than Rob who knows, but I think what I've seen from Rob, his peak potential on the defensive end, I think Rob has the potential to be a defensive player of the year, you know, okay. like between the two of them, they're both making their bones on the defensive end. Yeah, and I like Okongu a lot, too. I mean, that was a point I think Zach Lowe brought up on his uh, most recent podcast where 
Hawks kind of sniffing around Pascal Siakam, but like, what is the trade that makes that work? Like they're going to ask for Hunter and a Kongwu and you know, the Hawks are probably going to push back because they want to take Capella instead of a Kongwu. And they're like, how about we don't, you know? And then mm-hmm. that's kind of where, you know, it, it starts to fall apart. But I like that a Kongwu pick. I, I think, you know, especially in that first round series against the Hawks this year, he's one of the, like him, and DeJounte Murray and Bogdanovich were the three guys that I walked away like, okay, I like th- those are three guys that I feel like, I don't know if you can necessarily say you could quote unquote build around them, but those are three guys that I want in the mix as I'm building mm-hmm. my team. Those are three guys with that, the right star. Those are great. Pieces exactly. Yep, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So that's why I don't know if they're, they're part of the building. They're not, you know, they're not the full, the full, uh, full support structure, but uh, I like that pick. Uh, a couple other guys that I had on my list here. I mentioned Terrence Mann earlier. Uh, I'm not sure if he's early to the party because he kind of did have a breakout two years ago in the postseason, but it's just when you look at his numbers, they're not overly impressive, right? But I feel like when you watch that Clippers team, when they were at their best, he was really involved in one way or another, whether he was handling the ball, whether it was, you know, his defensive presence. And I think when you do think of the, you know, we reference potentially a James Harden Sixers Clippers trade like that for me, if I'm the Sixers is like, okay, North Powell's cool, but you better give me Terrence Mann too, plus, Mm -hmm. you know, some other stuff to go ahead and get this done. I think like those, both of them together don't know if they make up for James Harden, but I can at least see some of that vision. Um, and then you can kind of pair him and Maxi together. That could be interesting. Um, two other small end guys or role players that I had, uh, guys that I've talked about before. Jalen Duran was on a, another segment that we did, just like his upside. I think just he, really fun to watch. Dude is 19 or 18, whatever he is, comes in and it just is all over the place when you watch that Pistons team. And then another guy that I talked about um, when I was talking about my love for Tyus Jones is uh Cynthia Aldama, man. I'm excited to watch him in FIBA with the Spain team. Uh, I think he's really good. He got about 20 minutes a game for the Grizzlies this year. You, you do love Santi Aldama. Dude, he's great, man. He's got, he's <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, I, I think Santi Aldama is really good, man. He's got some good numbers here. What do you play? I got it. So he played 21 minutes a game, shot 47% from the field, shot 35% from three. You know, I, I, think he's, I think he's got some size. Yeah, I think he's got, I got, he's got something to him there. He got five rebounds a game in 20 minutes. Uh, and I just felt like every time he's one of those guys that when you do watch a game, even if he doesn't have, he's Derek White-ish, but in, in, in big form, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't always have the stats, but I just feel like I... Unlike uh, who did I say? This? Unlike Precious Achua, I agree with almost every decision that he makes on the basketball court, and that he's contributing to them being successful. Okay, other guys that I have on my list here, I'm just going to go ahead and list everybody. Some of these people, you might say, like, oh, they're they're already at the party. We'll we'll see. Um, but Franz, KCP, Darius Garland, Grimes, Jaden McDaniel's, DeAndre Hunter. Quickly, Keegan Murray, Keldon Johnson, Trey Murphy, Nemhart. That was the the list of guys. Okay, that I just I just like I like I like what they do within their current roles. Yeah, KCP and Trey Murphy were two guys that I thought about putting on my list as well because KCP, like you said, it's the role thing, right? That's mm-hmm. that's why that's why this is kind of cool because you can you can adapt this to to what it means for that particular role. I'm not expecting KCP to be a star, but to be that three and D guy that can play with bench units, can play you know in crunch time. He's got a really strong versa- a versatile game, uh, and then Trey Murphy. I just haven't watched enough Trey Murphy. I like the little bits that I've seen, but I didn't feel comfortable enough to to put him on that list but i like that i like where your head's at yeah i think some of those guys you listed i probably thought of as more at the party so Mm -hmm. let's go to the final final part of the segment here those that are at the party these are guys that i love them greg loves them everybody loves them it's going to be hard to find too much disagreement on these guys uh and i don't know if i have one or we just i think i think we should just kind of rapid fire some names back and forth i feel like this is one where i i could have kept going i have a list of like 10 names here and i probably could have kept going to be honest who's the most veteran player on your list most veteran player on my list let's see here um i guess that would be i guess it would be josh hart is probably the most veteran guy that i have on here Mm. okay so you think josh hart is at the party tell me why make the case He's at the party. I mean, he's he. So I have a couple of guys that fit the Josh Hart mold because that to me was just this guy is no matter what team you have, if you're a championship team, this guy can do something for you to make you better. Okay. So I think Josh Hart's in that mold. Bruce Brown is in that mold. I think Lou Dort's in that mold. Those are three guys that I all felt kind of like fit the same thing that no matter where you're at in your timeline, if you're looking to be a contending team, 
these guys are going to be able to play a valuable role. And I, I think it'd be hard pressed to say, I mean, unless you're, this is kind of back to what you said about KCP about early to the party, you know, they, they kind of fit that in that role. Now, if you're thinking mm-hmm. that they're going to be stars, yeah, they're, they're, they're not, they're not hitting that stratosphere. But if you're just looking to build culture and build, you know, guys in your rotation that are going to have meaningful impact on winning, I think the three of them could do that for just about any team in the league. Okay, so I'll give you my my list equivalent of your Josh Hart, um, Alex Caruso. I think Ooh, yeah, you're everybody, a big Caruso guy, yeah. everybody around the league is now at the party that Alex Caruso is not just Elmer Fudd playing basketball. He's an actual hooper, and he can provide a ton of value um, as your defensive ace. He can mm-hmm. guard one through four pretty pretty handedly. Um, and I, I, if the Celtics somehow ended up with Alex Caruso, I would be ecstatic. I, I think the guy's great. Yeah, Cruz is awesome. I mean, like you said, I think he fits right into that mold of like those super versatile role players that just everyone has a role for them. There's mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, they'll find a way to contribute. Did you have any guys that so you you used the SGA reference earlier? He was a guy that I had on my list for this at the party. Mm-hmm. I've got three other guys that I think are kind of along those same lines. So can I guess? Yeah, go for it. And Edwards. I didn't. I didn't put him on here. I mean, I do think he's at the party, but I, I just feel like he's he's beyond at the party. He's in the VIP at the party. Okay, all right. Um, I, I would make the argument that SGA is in the VIP more than Edwards is. That's probably fair. I mean, I think more. It's just and Edwards came in as the number one pick. Like, true, and then he did. True. He did really. Whereas SGA was kind of like building it up a little bit. Yeah. More. No, I, I always forget Anthony Edwards is the number one pick. Um, <laughs> Halliburton. Yeah, he's he's one of the three yeah. guys that I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Halliburton, I think I was late to the party on Halliburton early in his career. I didn't see it. I think part of it is because I love De'Aaron Fox and people mm-hmm. were talking about like him being the guy to keep over Fox. And I just have this irrational attachment to Fox with this year was like s- such uh, validation for me. I was like, yes, De'Aaron Fox is finally becoming that guy because I loved him all the way back in Kentucky. Also, just quick note, I think it's really cool that these uh college players are teaming up like fox and monk and then you got the villanova guys mm-hmm. in new york now i want to see more of that in the nba just like these college i mean players it's, it's getting those together. twitter arguments that are coming to life right where it's like what mm-hmm. if you took everybody from duke and kansas and texas yeah. and put them all on the team and i mean honestly like you know we were talking about josh hart a minute ago they're the reason they're able to do that is because josh hart didn't go out to the open market and go get more money because he could have got more than 12 million i think he probably could have been you know if in that 15, 16, 17 million dollar range if he wanted to have a bidding war, but he opted in for 12 million. So they get a little bit of extra money to go get his boy Dante. Dude, they got to get this guy on the team, Mikhail Bridges, on my at the party list. I feel like everyone's now at the party with Mikhail Bridges. Um, they got to get him on New yeah, York. I've liked well, him for a while. He, well. he probably would have been on my early to the party list last year if we did this. I've, I've, yeah. I've always liked Mikhail. I didn't think he necessarily could do the things that he he started to do in Brooklyn, and we'll see if he maintains that. Uh, but I, I've always really liked Mikhail Bridges, um, even going back to Villanova, and then what he was, you know, as like a supreme three and D early, you know, early career option in Phoenix. Yeah, no, he's he's great. I was super impressed with what he did in Brooklyn. Um, okay, I have th- two more guys on my list, and they play for the same team. Who do you think they are? Well, you already mentioned Franz, right? So it's not going to be the magic with Paolo and Franz because that would have nope. been that was the first person to go. You're a big magic guy, so that was one that I was thinking of. Um, do they play for the Oklahoma City Thunder? They do. Okay, uh, one of them's Josh Giddy. Yep. Okay, because he's all he's also on my list. So the other guy, are you? Gonna, you're not going to say Chet after summer league? Are you? <laughs> no, no, Jalen okay. Williams. Okay, okay, Jaylen okay. Williams. That's what I. That's yeah. what I figured. But I, but you had mentioned to me that you really like Chet's game in summer league. Dude, I love Chet Holmes. Well, that's what I, I mean. That's why I was like, I didn't know if this was going to be you trying to see if uh, lightning strikes twice where you where you were on with with Scotty Barnes after a preseason game. I didn't know I if will, this was you going full Babe Ruth calling your shot here after summer league. The moment we hang up from this pod, I will be uh, going to check the odds on Chet Rookie of the Year because I feel like Wemby's odds are probably the highest right now i'm gonna put my yeah. money on chet. i think chet, i think chet's probably sad. i think it's between them two and, and scoot are basically the the odds on pair but yeah it's definitely Wemby heavy is probably what you're looking at for sure uh anybody else on your at the party list 
Uh, I like that we both had Giddy. Um, a guy that I think is a little bit off the radar, Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he should be early to the party just yeah, from public he's an early perception. To the party guy. Yeah. He'd be early to the party. But I've I've always liked Wendell Carter Jr. I think he's a I think he's an underrated building block of what of what the magic have going on uh jalen brunson i think just we talked about him throughout the season he's just he's established i yeah yeah i think throughout the season he we were early to the party on brunson right we've been early because like i made the case um at some point like mid-season like why like pretty much i'm so early to the party with jalen brunson that i'm saying like a year from now, are we going to look at him in like a John Morant on the yeah, same level? Like exactly. I love Jalen Brunson. I think he's that effective as a And player, I think at so. one point I had him on my all NBA team and it was yeah. like basically at the end of the year, it was just like, man, him or Randall got to make it, but the guards crowded forwards easier. Randall kind of makes it, but, but Brunson is clearly the guy that makes that team go. And that was always my Definitely. case was Randall's having such a good year because of Jalen Brunson. So, uh, and I had Nas Reed and I had Austin Reeves. And those were the, those are the last mm-hmm. two guys that I had had on my list here, but, uh, I like this, man. This is a fun exercise. You were right. I got to give you credit where credit's due. This was fun. I know Adam is going to be upset that he missed this, so maybe we'll have to run back a, a slightly altered version so that we can get Adam's take in here. But uh, this is a fun episode, man. And just a reminder, we'll be off for about a week, but you can check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter. We'll have some content up there for you. Uh, I'm going to be on some planes, so maybe I'll chop up a couple of videos. We'll and our TikTok, bro. Shout out to our TikTok. TikTok. We had our right. first viral for us video that's like at like <laughs> 30, <for us. laughs> 35,000 uh, views right now. And it's it's the video where we just talk about how J.D. Davis and shit his fans. JD and you get the live pants. reaction of Will. So if you haven't <laughs> checked out, uh, if you have a TikTok and you have not seen the clip, of Will finding out in real time that J.D. Davidson shit his pants during a summer league game. Go follow us on TikTok at Green Envy Pod because we've got 35,000 views on that, but that did not translate to more followers because like we're not, we're a little too old for TikTok. So yeah. now that we're trying to build our TikTok, like, I think we have like 31 followers on TikTok. <laughs> and I know that- Yeah, we could use some loving on TikTok. Yeah, we could use so some love on Instagram too. So make sure y'all following us on both. No doubt, no doubt. But that's all I got, man. All right, man. Well, what are we going to hear on the way out of here as we uh, as we wrap this up and head into vacation? Uh, keep it rolling with some Black Sheep Optimists, Questions and Lies. Peace, everybody. Talk to you soon. Peace, y'all.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.